I'm Samantha Olds Fry, CEO of the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, and this is Sam Says, a podcast series focused on Illinois Medicaid managed care. Hello, I'm Durando Beverly with the Gemini Group, and welcome to Sam Says. On today's episode, we sit down with Joe Patton, Director of Health Plan Partnerships, and Dr. Michael Fu, National Director of Behavioral Health at Hazel Health. But first, Today, filling in for our host, Samantha Olds-Fry, the CEO of I'm Hip, we have Elena Kennedy, I'm Hip's Chief Operating Officer. Elena, welcome to this guest hosting role of Sam Says. How are you today? I'm doing well. I know I have big shoes to fill, so I'm excited uh, to be here, and I know I've got a great team, um, including yourself, as well as Jody and Dr. Fu. They're so fantastic, so I'm really excited to dive in. We have an exciting uh, conversation today. We're going to bring our guests in now. Again, we have Jody Patton, Director of Health Plan Partnerships, and Dr. Michael Fu, the National Director of Behavioral Health of Hazel Health. Uh, Jody, Dr. Fu, welcome to Sam Says. Oh, thank you guys much for having us. We're excited to be here and talk to you guys today. So. So let's jump into it um, just to get us started and, and for listeners perhaps who may not be totally familiar with Hazel Health. Let's start there. Uh, give us a little bit about Hazel Health and, and, and what uh, and what you do. Absolutely. So Hazel Health is a school-based telehealth provider. Our platform is fully through telehealth, currently working in 11 states across the nation and getting ready for an expansion as we think about the 21-22 school year, really getting kids back to school. What we do is we work as an integral part of the school system. So we work with directly with the administrators and with school nursing staff, um, providing services when something, we know that schools do an incredible job of taking care of our kids day in and day out on the health side, but there are things that come up that are outside of the scope of practice for a nurse, or maybe schools just do not have the funding and able to have a nurse or a health services staff on site. So that's where Hazel comes in. We have a team of, of physicians, nurse practitioners, and physicians assistants stand by through and that are available through our Hazel app. So when something comes up, a child has a stomach ache, a headache, and this feels like this is outside of the scope of practice or outside of what that, that staff can do at the school, we come in, we stand by, we're there just um, with a you know, a simple footprint through an iPad, but you have this robust, amazing team that's waiting there to support the schools. Um, we find that we're able to get kids back to school 90 plus percent of the time. So we're able to get them back, getting educated, do, you know, having a great um, educational experience and also creating that trust in the school environment. We know that the schools are a place where trust is built with kids. And so that able to bring healthcare into that system really allows kids to feel comfortable and accessing healthcare and saving families time from taking time off of work, especially if that child can get back to school. So families can, everything's consented. We communicate with families and our primary care providers, but really being that adjunct to what's already going on in the school system. Right off the bat, I have to say, I was so excited. Uh, Hazel Health is a trusted partner with IMHEP, and so it's been so fantastic learning about all the things that you're providing for the community. Um, with that, upcoming in May is actually Mental Health Awareness Month, and so when we were thinking through who to partner with and who to have discussions with, I immediately thought of you uh, and all of the work that you're doing. You know, Dr. Fu, across uh, across the country, there's been a lot of change for children, you know, going back to school, go, in person or 
working virtually and all that change can be a lot for children's mental health. And while ER visits outside of COVID-related visits have seen an overall decline, a study from the CDC actually found the percentage of children ages 5 to 11 seeking mental health care at emergency departments in 2020 increased by 24% up from 2019. And for children 12 to 17, mental health-related emergency room visits uh, increased 31% over the previous year. And so I just want to take a moment to also kind of level set for our listeners about what you're all seeing as well, given the work at Hazel Health uh, and and interesting things that uh, we should be thinking about as well as we're talking about children's mental health. Yeah, um, you know, those, those trends are being widely reported. And I think what sticks out to me, so my training, so I'm a physician by training and have focused on adolescent health for the majority of my career. And um, actually 11 through 17 year olds are the age group that has experienced the most um, significant increase in reporting of moderate to severe symptoms of anxiety and depression. And I think um, it's easy to get lost in the statistics because you know they do say we have a bunch of increases, but the stories are the most powerful you know, things that stick with us. Um, when Hazel's Health sets up our uh, services in a school, we become a healthcare provider for that student and their family. And what we've seen during COVID, um, parents are just reaching out to us consistently because they're scared. Um, they're spending so much time with their students at home for the first time in a while, and they are seeing things like mood changes, behavior changes, um, uh, and, and they don't really understand how severe is this and what should I do? But they're also seeing significant things like endorsement of self-harm. They're seeing students refusing to get out of bed. They're seeing their kids um, not socializing with other kids. There's no outlet for them to talk to. Um, They're also seeing behaviors like increased addiction to to screens. And, you know, that has a, a pro and a con. Social media these days is one of the number one outlets for students to understand what's going on in the world. But at the same time, it's sometimes the only outlet they have in terms of sharing what's going on. And and you're not not talking to a physical person. Um, So I would say that what we're seeing is an increased need for education for for parents on, you know, here, here is actually what's happening, doing a lot of normalizing. A lot of these behaviors are natural responses to very stressful situations. And then, you know, there's also a need for a lot of um, basic coaching. But then there are a lot more, um, what I would say, severe manifestations, for example, self-harm, suicidality that are are being endorsed by students across the country. Um, And we are getting that at Hazel. And I will say one of the first, you know, mental health cases we got um, at Hazel during this period of time was related to uh, a psychiatric inpatient case where somebody had to get hospitalized. And then after being discharged, the family didn't know what to do. You know, like, what do we do now after we've gotten some intense treatment? And that's the reality of it is that it's a hard system to navigate. And there's just a lot of help that is needed for families to sort of understand how to navigate the system. Definitely. You know, I think adults may have the ability to recognize and express anxiety and depression in different ways, but children might might not have the tools or language to understand the experiences that they're having. And these childhood and adolescent stages are so critical for mental health. You know, it's a time when there's rapid growth and development taking place in the brain. Um, they're acquiring cognitive and social emotional skills that are going to shape their future mental health. And it, so it's important for them uh, to have that space and to have those services. So it's so amazing that uh, Hazel Health is able to provide, you know, those Um, that pediatric telehealth and that platform as well. You know, though, I also recognize 
it's my understanding, Dr. you were actually a teacher in the CPS area. So you, while you're in San Francisco, you did spend some time in Chicago. Is that correct? Yeah. So I was a I was a middle school math teacher actually in Inglewood um, uh, at a uh, well back then it was only K through middle school, but continuing to grow. Yeah. That's wonderful. I think you know one of the things about Chicago that's so fantastic is community. We are very community focused. You know, as we talked about at the top of the hour feeling very passionate about, um, you know, maybe pizza choices, feeling very passionate about our communities and the regions. And, and that also means feeling very passionate about the people within that space and feeling very passionate. Um, and so it's important to have culturally aware care, um, have people be reflected in that their community and space, also when they're receiving that care. How does um, Hazel Health work to have, you know, trauma-informed care and culturally aware care as well as we navigate this, this behavioral health space for children and families? Yeah, what Hazel, what we try to do, and I think it's 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 good practice all around. I've seen it's not just Hazel, quite honestly, but you know, good clinical care. Uh, one trauma-informed approaches and practices have to be part of just your general clinical approach. But it, it's not just an individual person practicing trauma-informed care. Trauma-informed care is a system-wide approach, right? Everything from the if you have a physical health office, it's everything from the front desk all the way to the clinician. So how is that wrapped in your procedures? Uh, number two is. For Hazel, we really value providers and, and who have school-based experience. So, unlike practicing healthcare in a in a you know regular clinic um, model, uh, the school environment is very unique, and there are different constraints and different procedures that you must follow, and a different partnership here where you have to work with the school as well as engaging parents. And so, uh, we really um, focus on getting providers who have that experience or are willing to learn about that experience. The other thing is uh, cultural alignment, uh, whether that is language alignment. So, you know, bilingual providers or providers who can speak multiple languages, but also um, how, how familiar and close are they with the demographics um, that of that local geography? And so um, we try to do our, the best that we can to match providers to uh, the geographies that we're serving. Um, we also do a lot to, we have a basically a clinical practice here where we, even when we interview providers, the, the training they go through, the screening they go through, the mocks they go through, we really value empathy. We really value uh, those who can build a strong rapport immediately because we don't have a ton of time when we jump in front of a, you know, a, a student. It's kind of a stranger seeing on the other side of the screen. Um, so all of that we really try to filter for. And quite honestly, what we found is that when you can build a when you can build a medical model that allows practitioners to practice and serve the patients they came into medicine for, like, you know, a lot of us who went into medicine, I, the mo most of us, the majority of us went into medicine because we're passionate about helping specific populations of people. Unfortunately, the medical system often doesn't allow us to always practice that way. And so when you create an environment where you can, for example, focus on pediatrics, when you can focus on uh, uh, young people of color, when you can focus on minority populations or low-income populations, it really gets people motivated to do their best. And so that's the environment we're trying to create. Um, the other thing I will say is it also takes a lot of partnership with our schools and districts. So you can't just assume going into a look like a geography that, oh, because your demographic breakdown is this, these are the issues you're gonna face. You have to actually take time mm. to work with the school to understand what are you doing already? What approaches are already working? What are your biggest uh, areas of need? And then match that with the services you're providing. Um, so it's not just like a blanket, you know, uh, let's go in and do what we do, but there's adaptation that needs to be done in partnership with the schools. Wow. 
I have to say, every time Jody and I get onto a phone call, I recognize that I could talk to her for hours about healthcare delivery systems, how we can help support our children and families here in Illinois. And uh, Doctor, I'm going to add you to that list at Hazel Health for sure. I can, I feel like we could talk forever. Unfortunately, this podcast does have to have uh, some some stop. And with that, I'm going to ask one more question um, before we wrap up today. You know, we've been talking about community. We're talking about how do we support families and children for their uh, physical and mental health. Um, and we've touched a little bit on kind of that pandemic and how there's been a lot of change, but there's also a lot of social unrest that's happening, especially in uh, a variety of different communities here across the country, but also in Illinois and in Chicago. And so how do we as medical professionals or those who work in this space help support children and families and support their mental health as we go through, you know, a pandemic trauma, as well as the, the social unrest trauma that's happening as well. What can we do? Um, I, can, I can, so top of mind for me is this is, um, there's a lot of self-work that needs to be done. Even physicians who are, uh, or clinicians who are used to working, um, you know, on topics of health equity, there's always self-learning and growth to be done. Number two, we have to recognize that clinicians oftentimes aren't the first people that um, that others think about talking to about some of these issues. There's still a lot of stigma. There's still a lot of mistrust. And so part of our job is to also create space to allow and create wonderful, hopefully experiences where when somebody does disclose something to you, it's normalized. It's not, you don't, it's not like you're judging their, their, what they're disclosing and you set them up to have more and more conversations, be it with a clinician or with somebody else who's in a trusting peer or adult. That's the best thing we can do. And obviously we have a clinical toolkit that we can act on. Um, so I would say the beginning of that conversation is super important right now and, and deepening our understanding of what else we can do within our own practice to, to contribute. Okay. I think uh, we're going to have to cut it there. I mean, this is a, a great conversation. I know we just began to scratch the surface, and uh, but uh, we're going to have to cut it there as, as a result of time. Uh, we want to give a special thank you to Jody and Dr. Fu from Hazel Health for taking some time to join us today. Uh, Elena, I know that that was, again, just a very preliminary conversation. We have far more that we can dive into with Jody and Dr. Fu. Uh, anything in particular that you found interesting from that initial conversation? Jondal, can I say everything? <laughs> it was, you everything can. You was can. <laughs> Everything was so fantastic, but I... Uh, I was really shaking my head a lot at those last comments from Dr. Fu. Here in Illinois, actually, you know, Deronda, we've been advocating for implicit bias training here at the Illinois Association of Medicaid Health Plans, as we refer to as IMHIP. And recently, implicit bias training was passed in the legislature. And I think that is just one important step of many to help continue and to create a community that's safe for our members and uh, provides them the care that they need and quality care that they need. So I'm really excited that uh, Dr. Fu also had mentioned, mentioned that. Great. And I know that we're going to plan on having Jody and Dr. Fu back very soon to be able to expand on that conversation a little bit more and take a deeper dive. So uh, if you like what you've heard, uh, we encourage you to visit the I'm Hip website at iamhp.net to learn more about what I'm Hip is doing and to listen to other interesting podcasts like this one today. And we encourage you to also please like and follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Twitter. 
And if you're interested in becoming a trusted partner like Hazel Health, I encourage you to reach out to I'm Hip's Chief Operating Officer, our own Elena Kennedy, or visit again the website at imhip.net. On behalf of Elena and Sam and the wonderful team at I'm Hip, again, I'm DeRondel Bedley with the Gemini Group. We thank you for tuning in to another episode of Sam Says. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon.